Hello and welcome to the Hall York Medical School podcast. I'm Connor, a fourth year medical student and today we're at Hall Royal Infirmary. So apologies if we suddenly have any noise coming from outside. Um, today we are going to be talking about what it's like to be on clinical placement as medical students. So with me we have... So I'm Seb, so I'm a research fellow at Hull at the minute, um, but I am a HIMS grad from four and a half years ago, and I did also work for the clinical placement team for two years in the meantime. Um, hi, my name's Kamal, um, I'm a third year medical student, and I'm based in Hull at the moment. Fantastic, so I think we'll crack on straight away and we'll go on to our first topic. So what do we do on clinical placements? So I'm going to let Kamal start. Okay, so it, up to date. Yeah, so it depends on what year you're in because it's slightly different when you start off. So I actually started from Gateway, um, so it was a bit different then. A lot of it was, um, there's a bit of theory behind it where in the begin, half the session you go through the topic that you're learning but more, more of a clinical basis rather than theory that you do in like lectures and PPL. Um, and then the other half you go and meet patients. And we did that in year one and two as well, but it was slightly different where the sessions were slightly longer as you proceeded through the years. So year one was half a day and year two was a full day. So either the morning you'll spend doing like a resource session uh, while you'll cover the topic, um, look at like the clinical side of it. And then the other half, you go and speak to patients with your clinical teaching fellow. Fantastic. And who were you with when you were doing that in groups individually? Yes, it was group. So the resource session was like a large group. Um, so it was like gateway because there was only a few of us. There was about 21 students. So there were 10, group, uh, 10 people in one large group. Um, so we'd have the large resource session together and then we'd be split into like threes or fours um, for the teaching in the afternoon, which was when, when, when we got to see patients. And we'd take turns to ask the patient questions and perform examinations. Fantastic. So I'll speak from uh, sort of my recent experience on clinical placement as a phase two student, so in year three and four. Um, so you start to rotate around sites, you're on full-time clinical placement. So I've been at Hull and York, and after Christmas I'll be going to Scunthorpe. Um, you get to choose a buddy to go around with, um, so you're not moving around all by yourself. Um, however, a lot of the time on clinical placement you you may be doing it independently, um, going to various clinics, going on ward rounds, uh, shadowing consultants or other doctors, um, as I've shadowed Seb in the past. <laughs> um, and that allows you to day in, day out, see a number of patients, a number of presentations, um, and it's really enhancing a breadth of, of clinical knowledge and Seb, do you have anything to add? Yeah, well, I think to highlight really, so I think the thing about clinical placement is, don't forget, our clinical placement is in the NHS. Every ward and department works differently. So your placements can be very dynamic. And at the medical school we have, we have a skeleton sort of structure for clinical placement, but you've got to be dynamic and you've got to adapt to the situation. So there's not going to be the same patients there every day. Your wards will be staffed in different, in different ways. They will be geographically in different places. They won't even look even similar. Um, and also, you'll be working with different clinicians. You mentioned clinical teaching fellows, so yeah. they do a lot of clinical placement teaching yeah. here uh, and in York. So they're recent graduates in, of medicine and physician associate studies. 
but a lot of the time it might be a consultant or it might be a specialist nurse or it might be a GP or it might be a physiotherapist and you know you just adapt to a different situation I think being flexible and just being open turn up see what's going on and you'll find that lot different ways of lots of different ways of learning and being presented the same thing and you'll find things that you like a lot and probably some things you don't like quite so much but your buddy as you mentioned quite possibly be the complete opposite in terms of what they respond to the most so it's hard to define clinical placement I think really the only thing I would define it strictly to is something that you can only learn by being there Mm. as opposed to being in a library and reading a book and I think that goes with what we hear I think time and time again you you get you or you get out of it what you put into it yeah so by turning up and by was choosing where you want to go so you will have timetable teaching sessions but there's a lot of time where you can sort of choose where you go and how you meet your learning outcomes uh, so you might find that an outpatient clinic is more your style than going on the ward around that morning or you know going into a theater and being with a surgeon that maybe that's your thing um i think that feeds on to uh, our, our next topic of, of how we benefit from placements and how that fits in with our learning outcomes and uh, and how it's tailored to make sure that we're really getting things out of it so you will move around various wards and various departments um, so you'll spend time on respiratory wards in respiratory clinics and if you're on that block um, so ultimately you, you you so there is a structure there that allows you to go and sort of have an idea of where to go, how to get your learning outcomes, but then ultimately a lot of it's down to you. But then I think what people might be saying is if there's a lot of self-direction to it, are there any difficulties or challenges that we might face? So in terms of difficulties, um, I don't know in terms like self-directed, I think the difficulties that I found so far um, is sometimes patient interactions because they can affect you. So I recently just had the mental health block. So as you can imagine, I've spoken to patients that I've gone through a lot. So this is like one of my first consultations that I had with a patient of that block. And during the consulta- consultation itself, I felt myself getting overwhelmed and you have to maintain that composure because you can't let the patient see that you're feeling all of this as well. And it's also after the consultation, you need to think about how to not let it affect your practice as well. Like you're allowed to have your emotions, you're allowed to, you know, think about the patients, but you need to make sure it doesn't affect your pra- practice and it makes you stronger as a doc, well, as a medical student and then a doctor in the future. From my perspective as a tutor, mm-hmm. um, what I found is that, so in your first two years and, and in Gateway, if you do the Gateway year, your... Um, schedule is is quite tight it's quite rigid you know where you're going to be and who you're going to be with and as you advance through the years and particularly as you get to sort of your final year the amount of time that's fixed onto a particular teaching session like prescribing and you see you know what room you're going to be in what exactly where you're going to be and for how long and who's going to be teaching you it is less and less and you're expected to find your own work style and work schedule you're expected to do so many hours now when you do those hours is quite flexible you know if you're the, if you're an early bird and you want to start at seven and finish at three that's fine 
as long as you go to the, the bits that are actually scheduled. And I think some students really struggle, particularly those who are undergraduates, struggle with working out what to do in those times. They're used to having to, or being told where to be and when. And that's quite easy, you know, you turn up, you, you know what you're expected to learn, you know what the topic's going to be, so you have your own expectations and you sort of work with that. And it's great because you're meeting your learning outcomes. What about when you're, ex when you're told, these learning outcomes you need to meet yourself, you need to find the time and find the learning opportunities, you need to be dynamic and you need to go into the hospital and find them. And what's behind all of that is that we're trying to teach you to be independent and to be problem solvers not just on a this patient has this symptom but as this system's not working or where do i find this information who can help me in this situation who do i need to speak to those hidden curriculum soft skills we call them buzzwords um sort of teaching you to become more professional more independent and more sort of a member of the ward working team. I think, you know, the real memorable students for me are the ones that fully embed themselves within the team. And you notice them when they rotate, really, because you're, there's a gaping hole in the team, someone that you started, you relied on, you knew they were there, and you could work with them all the time. And those students are the ones that excel. So they, they just get it, okay, okay, I'm still a student, but... I'm starting to become a clinician and it's to be professional and to be present. Um, so I think, but it's a really difficult transition. Mm. You know, because if you think about undergrads, they might only be 20, 20 years old at this point. They've been in school for far longer than they've not been in school. Well, just to add to that, I was like, the fact that we've got quite a lot of self-directed learning scheduled into our timetable, there's often the worry that people might end up just taking those as days off pretty mm. much. Um, whilst the purpose of them is being there is so that we become more proactive. So I think a lot of medical students that I know, we've ended up, you know, meeting like clinicians, consultants, registrars, ask them, do they have clinics going on and try and like schedule them within those sessions. No, absolutely. And I think all the challenges that we've spoke about, I think you can sort of summarise as sort of professional development. And yeah. Yeah. you have to take them all as, well, here's something that I need to go and develop. So whether it's um, dealing with uh, quite emotive um, and difficult encounters or whether it's time management and how to go and plan your own learning, um, the things that you, you might not, you know, you, most people haven't experienced at school before starting their, their undergraduate education, but it's something that you sort of have to go and sort of get to grips with quite quickly, but mm -hmm. it's a necessity. Um, and it's something that by the end of it, everyone manages to yeah manages yeah. to do. It just it's things seem quite scary to start off with, yeah. Um, but ultimately, everyone gets there in the end. Yeah, and I think the support is there. Mm. Yeah. So we're not saying that you're completely left to your own devices, sort of dropped in the frying pan. The support's there. You know, we've got fantastic student liaison team, and the clinical teaching fellows are all recent graduates. The majority of them are HIMSS graduates or and or have worked within the trust. So, you know, here in York. Um, so they know the environment, they know where opportunities lie and where there are more challenging so departments that are really sort of very busy, particularly
particularly to do with the pandemic, who won't probably be able to support you that much. But there might be other things like, so those departments might be crying out for someone to go and do their bloods. And if you need to get your blood signed off, then ideal. But you're not going to expect a two-hour lecture from one of the consultants because they've got 50 patients to see. Whereas other departments will have different things and balances. So I think the support's there. Yeah. You've got the students in the years above you. Yeah. Um, and it all relates to, so when you graduate, you still have a curriculum that you need to meet. You know, we've got Horus for the F1s and F2s, and there's learning outcomes and learning objectives that you have to meet and evidence. Now, when you're working 50 hours a week, you do have a little bit of time that's protected, but really you have to be independent and confident to find those learning opportunities, or not even necessarily finding them, but evidencing them. You know, you need to tell the consultant or the registrar, yeah, is it all right tomorrow can we do this form can we go through this or i'm not comfortable with this can you tell me about this you know those sorts of things so and it and it works i think we see this you know i talked for i've talked for him quite a few years now and there's a couple of students who i've seen in multiple years and they're sort of growing and then you see that becoming more and more independent and then they come up to you and it's not even a question anymore they've said oh i've i've started cracking on with this I've started doing this where I'd like to say alright if you support me with you know they're part of the team um, and the HIMS grads do hit the ground running um, I think there's a reason a lot of HIMS grads stay in around Hull and York and the other hospitals I think because it's a supportive training environment and they just are clearly quite comfortable working on a ward whereas compared to some other universities that have different structures. I think we can move on to um, quite a nice topic now. What's our favourite thing about placement? I think my favourite thing about placement is actually talking to the patients because you get to practice it a lot during um, clinical skill sessions in whilst in year one and year two, but you, because you only have placement once a week during year one and two, it's hard to be able to do that constantly and get that rhythm, get good structure. And so being able to do that on a daily basis, I found really useful because it's built up my confidence about talking to patients, um, especially because um, as well, when you become a doctor, you need to be able to have a structured consultation that's within the time limit and it's concise and you've got everything you've wanted and the patient's satisfied by the consultation. Um, so being able to do that and learning how to do that, I think that's a really good opportunity because I remember starting off consultations, they were as long as an hour and now I've managed to like sort of, you know, make, make them a bit quicker, but then also have the same amount of, um, you know, satisfaction out of those consultations and the patient hasn't felt like they've been rushed. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. And I've also enjoyed doing the skills because you don't really do um, many skills um, during your one and two. Uh, you get to practice examinations, but things like taking bloods and all that, you learn in year three um, with the clinical skills facilitators. So I've really enjoyed it, that practical aspect. Um, and I've really enjoyed that, yeah. Um, I'd say from my experience, and it, it sort of varies, as, as we've said, depending on where you go, but it's about feeling part of the team yeah. and really joining in with how the ward or, or the department runs, because I feel like it, 
from my experiences when I've really felt part of that team or part of what's going on I've been able to get the most teaching opportunities there I've been able to speak to to the most number of patients and had you know I've just learned throughout uh, you've been able to get the most number of procedural skills done um, and it's just felt like the most productive times but also um, feel like you're sort of valued and like you're 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 certainly a you know an actual team member which I know some medical students can feel like that isn't the case or like you're supernumerary or flowers (laughs) 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 so um, certainly when you find a a good placement that's or a good a good team and you're there for a few weeks you really get a lot out of it Uh, and it's those experiences that I think I'd look back on um, as some the, the best time that I've had on clinical placement so far. Yeah, and I think those moments define your career. I think as you get further on in your career, um, you look back and you wonder why. Sometimes you think, why on earth have I chosen this speciality? Um, so, so I'm training to do renal medicine, and you reflect on, you think about certain teaching sessions, patient interactions, and experiences on the ward. And maybe when I was applying, I didn't necessarily actively think about that, but just some things remind you and then you remember, oh, actually, you know, it's those positive, not even necessarily positive interactions. Some of them, like I said, those really challenging ones. But then you reflect on them and you think about them. So I I, I still remember the first patient I saw in third year in Scunthorpe General Hospital. Um, And, you know, after second year, I was... Back of my mind was thinking, I'm not sure if medicine's for me. You know, it, I was finding it quite challenging, um, and it, because it's very university based, like I said you had the one day in hospital, so half a day with patients, and then uh, this one patient interaction, I was like, no, I like I like being on the wards. The wards, yeah, I, this is it. I don't want to be in a, in a in a classroom. Well, I mean, I then went on to be a teacher. I don't want to be a student <laughs> in a classroom. I should say. Um, I want to be on the wards, you know, I want to be clinical and working with and working with patients. You just, they help sort of define you and make you feel, there's a bit of reward. It might be a blood test that you've done on the ward, but then you feel like you've made a little contribution. And when you're just a, a baby in third year, I think those little contributions mean a lot to you. No, they definitely do. I think I've probably done 10,000 more bloods by now, so um, less. But it's, you know, at your, at your moment in your career, those little interactions, they give you some reward, make you feel like you're part of the team and remind you why you've decided to embark upon a five-year degree. My first year, um, so not my gateway year, but my first year at year one at, med- at medical school, it was during covid so it was hard to have interactions with other, like, my, my peers, because we were all, you know, locked away separately. All our lectures were online. So the fact that now, you know, I'm able to see everyone, um, I'm able to perform all these skills, like, you feel like you're getting a step closer to your goal, especially, like, so, for example, learning exact when, in year two when we were in person again and we were learning all these examinations, talking to patients, I felt a bit more close to my goal now that I'm doing clinical skills, um, having all these teaching sessions, building relationships with consultants, because they really do want to teach. I've I always felt like I was a bit worried to join like ward rounds, for example. I thought I might be a bit of a, you know, 
just a bit of an extra, they might find me annoying. But no, they actually take the time just before we see patients to explain this is the patient case, this mm-hmm. is what we've seen. And I've really enjoyed that, that all these steps make me closer to my goal. And I really enjoyed that. Like, I can't wait to eventually become a doctor. No, absolutely. And I think start when you start clinical placement, it's almost, you, you just suddenly, terrifying, you suddenly, it? it's terrifying, but you suddenly realise, oh, we're, we're doing proper medicine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you step outside of the classroom and yes, you do your, your one day of clinical placement in year one and two, but to be on clinical placement all the time, you think we're almost there. Definitely. Time does fly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm um, only in year four, but it doesn't feel like I was. So yeah. only two minutes ago when I was in year one. <laughs> no, every time I do something new, I'll end up just texting in my family group chat, like I've done this today, and they'll be like, "Oh, that's amazing!" And so you get more motivation as well that, that way as well. Yeah, it's always funny seeing when we teach the when we teach you to scrub how to scrub in, and all you all you guys want to do is take photos and send it yeah. to your family. <laughs> <laughs> When you scrubbed in a thousand times the in the middle of the night, <laughs> the novelty definitely wears off. But you know, it, it it's those physical reminders, isn't it? Really, that you know you've made. A, all right, I'm, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm yeah. here because you enjoy it and it's cool and it's fun. I think that sums it up very well. Oh, and I think that comes to just about the end. So. To everyone listening, we hope you've enjoyed the podcast, and thank you very much to, I guess, Seb and Kamal, and please subscribe to the future episodes of this podcast, and thank you very much for listening once again. Bye.